I don't know the rest of the words to that, but like my mom used to wake me up to that song when I was growing up. And I don't know if it was like school days, but I know she like drew my curtains and would sing that song. And for some reason, I wasn't angry. I would like smile. Yeah. And when I first met you, you had a t-shirt that you wore (laughs) that said, it was like a cat sleeping and it said upside down, upside down, like miserable saying, I don't do mornings. So I don't know how that worked. Like, (laughs) I'm just trying to think of that. Isn't that telling that like you still dated me that I had a sleep t-shirt like that yeah you were warning me like uh, <laughs> about the mornings like if we go any further no, but i was also warning you about my wardrobe well yeah i guess so i like that shirt i i, I like know it. we always tried to like refine it yeah but we couldn't um welcome back to false expectations this is super bowl sunday it is blizzard i feel like number two but i guess number three Um, I'm going to say one and a half right now. It's not even sticky. Yeah, I guess you're right. Uh, I don't know. In terms of did I have an eventful week, there were a couple of things that made me, you know, hate this pandemic, like continue to hate this pandemic. Um, I think in last week's episode, um, shared some awesome news, which was that our child completed his three plus year chemotherapy treatment which obviously is the good news but like whenever your kid goes through something crappy you want to celebrate after that you know like they did a really good job and like cancer is a little bit different than that it's on another level but like you know we couldn't do a celebration like we wanted to because um covid so i had this like grandiose idea of you bought some signs I had these signs made cool fast, signs. like yeah. quick, and surprised Jackson with them. They said something like, congrats, Jackson, you kicked cancer's butt. Yeah, they're pretty cool. Yeah, and so we surprised Jackson with them. They're outdoor signs, I should say. And literally three hours later, we had to take them in because it was le- legitimately going to be a snowstorm, and I didn't want to ruin them. And the wind. Everything was falling Oh, right, everywhere. right, right. There was like 40-mile-an-hour winds, and I didn't want them to blow away, and... So that was just a cherry on top. And then I would say yesterday was like the end of an error for my only prized possession that I've ever had. Is a pri- Jackson's not a prized possession. That's like an actual materialistic thing. Wait, no, he's not materialistic. No, 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 but I'm saying he's not a prized But I don't want to... Say that a car uh, is better all, than Jackson. Yeah, you're not saying that. I okay. think people get it. <laughs> so, ever since I was 14, I wanted a Volvo. And I know that's, like, not the ideal car for, like, a teenager, but I just always wanted it. And, <clears throat> you know, we, I, two, three years ago, yeah, three years things ago. were going well. The the wheels were turning like we only needed one car and we were going through some crappy times yeah and we splurged a little bit retail therapy is real in my world mm-hmm. and we got a volvo and oh my god i loved it like sm- i'm thinking about it and i'm have a yeah, real smile she's on my smiling face. right now and like i never cared about cars i never got compliments on a car it was just like 
People liked this car. They would be like, hey, just want you to know your car is really nice. People would stop me or us while we were driving on a highway. Yeah, that's, well, not on a highway, but. On a byway. Sure. But yeah, people would like give thumbs up. People would stop and ask, especially when it first came out because we got the car like when it was first introduced and everybody would bug us like, hey, how do you like it? How do you like it? You know, all that stuff. And it was a cool car. So anyway. But go ahead. (laughs) Pandemic, layoff, moving. We had to turn that car in yesterday and get something more budget friendly. Still fine, cool. We bought a tricycle. <laughs> we bought a horse and buggy. Yeah. Um, but while it was the right decision, it was a sad day for me because I just liked it. I liked the key. I was looking at the key. First of all, I'm going to do like either just a brief False Friday on this, which we're thinking about doing like IGTV five minuters. So let us know if you guys are interested in that. I know some of you. Hold on. I have, so we're at the dealership yesterday, which was, it's a whole experience and I'm sure that's what you're going to get into. But I just have to say this. Dina was caressing her key yesterday. Mm -hmm. She was, you know, she was like patting it and like saying goodbye to it, letting it know everything's going to be okay. Mm -hmm. And I'm looking over at her (laughs) and I'm just like, what the fuck is wrong with you? Like, this is crazy, but I get it because if I had to trade my car in, it would be pro- I'd be running down the street like it's not happening. But uh, yeah, Dina was in her emotions yesterday. Yeah. So anyway, that happened. So fun week. Fun week. The signs are in the house, and we have a new car. And we have a new car. That's fine. I like it. Yeah. Also, I can get into a whole thing about the word "fine," which I will one day, but. <laughs> We have a really exciting um, show for you this week. Our first guest of, I want to say many, because we've got a lot of exciting things cooking for you guys, but we got a lot of feedback on the careers episode that we did and people wanting more of that. And so I am here to give it to you. This week, um, I talk with Terry Boyle McDougal, who is a marketing executive a career coach, a speaker, a best-selling author. Her book is called Winning the Game of Work, Career, Happiness, and Success on Your Own Terms. She also recently launched a podcast called Marketing Mambo. And I don't know, we get into a lot of great things. She's got a lot of pointers and she's got a lot of experience. And I am really excited for you guys to hear it. So without further ado, here is my conversation with Terry. Okay, so Terry, thank you so, so much for being here. Um, I know that we connected a short time ago and thank you for being so flexible and getting on um, with us so quickly. I'm really excited to be here with you, Dina. (laughs) Yeah, I'm so excited to have you because interestingly, um, and I'll probably, I've gotten into this a little bit in past episodes, but one of my biggest false expectations in my personal life has been my career. And (laughs) I actually did um, an entire episode of just the way Um, the industry that I'm familiar with. So, you know, marketing and the business world in corporate America, just how different it is compared to um, what I expected it to be. And in addition to that, um, 
the feeling that you have to sort of sit in that discomfort because that's what you're supposed to do. Mm, You you like get this job and you went to school to get this job and now you just sit in that. And too Mm. bad if you're not happy 100% of the time because that discomfort um, enables you to do X, Y, and Z in your personal life. Yeah, like paying your dues. Right. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So when I, when you and I connected, I was like, oh my God, thank God I can get sort of somebody with this kind of expertise and um, experience in speaking with more than just me um, mm-hmm. about this type of similar thing. So before we dive into that, can you just for my audience give us a little bit of a background on yourself? Yeah, sure. I'm an executive and career coach, and I'm also the author of a book called Winning the Game of Work, Career, Happiness, and Success on Your Own Terms. And I say I work with high-achieving professionals who are successful but not satisfied. And what I mean by that is that if you looked at them on paper, you'd say, hey, they got a great job, they're making decent money, they're working for a good company. But if you talk to them, they're going to say, I'm feeling really stressed out, I'm feeling burnout, I'm feeling stuck, maybe they're even having health problems. And my mission is really to help people expand that overlap between their professional success and their personal happiness. And before I became a full-time coach in 2017, I had a 30-year career in marketing. So, you know, much like you, Mm -hmm. I I had some false expectations about what I thought work was going to be like. I, I was very ambitious. And, you know, I just thought that whatever worked for me in school, if I just did the same thing at work that, you know, my talent would be recognized, and I'd be moving up before I knew it. (laughs) And guess what, it did not really work that way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so what was the like thing or the moment in, you know, I'm assuming that you were paralleling, that you were, you know, working and coaching at the same time. What was the moment where you really turned on full-time coaching? Was it you were having like exponential amount of conversations with people or, you know, what was the thing that made you decide to do this full-time? Yeah, actually, I was not doing it um, at the same time. I, I was a marketing director and I had a team of people that reported to me. And as a leader, I was doing a lot of coaching and mentoring. And honestly, that was something that I valued very much whenever I was lucky enough to have people that mentored me. And it was Mm -hmm. something that I felt was very important to invest in in my teams. And honestly, I feel like it's a win win, right? Because if you've got people working for you that are clear on what they need to do, they're feeling confident and happy and you know, understand where they fit in the whole context of the business. And they know that I'm investing in them and I want to help them grow. They're going to be loyal and they're going to be hardworking. Um, But I didn't get that from everybody. And, and um, I ended up leaving my job during sort of a restructuring time. And I was fortunate enough to be able to leave without having something right away. And when I left, I, I had, um, I had not really loved my job for a couple of years. And so when I left, I just wanted to spend a little bit of time, you know, uh, resting and recharging and figuring out what I really wanted to do next. And just around that time, I actually met somebody whose wife had gone through the same coaching program that I actually 
eventually ended up going through. And just in talking to her, I really recognized a lot of parallels. And I, at the same time, was saying to myself, okay, what do I think I'm good at? And what do I like to do? And Mm -hmm. I I mean, I love doing marketing. And I feel like I was good at that. But I had done it for a long time. And in my last job, I felt like I had really outgrown all the opportunities that were at that company. And so I was really started, you know, starting to look uh, around and say, like, what else could I do? Mm-hmm. And uh, at first, I thought that I would, you know, uh, I'd get tr- um, certified as a coach and get another job and kind of do it on the side. But as I was going through the six month program, a lot of the people in my program were planning on starting their own businesses. And I think it just was contagious. <laughs> you yeah. know, and, and yeah. I thought, you know, if not now, when? I can always later go get a job if it doesn't work out, but it has, um, it's really been great. I mean, not, it's not a hundred percent, you know, puppies and roses or anything like that, right? Um, But I love the freedom of it. I really love the the fulfillment that I get out of coaching people. And it's, and mainly because when I can see somebody get past uh, an obstacle that they felt really stuck and unhappy about, and they're able to get past it and really, you know, feel confident in themselves and and have the impact at work that they they weren't sure that they could have. It's great. It's really yeah. great. I can imagine it being similar to like it feels better to give a gift than to get a gift, kind of a thing. Yeah, yeah, and you know, I think the other thing too is that. I've walked the path. I've been in a lot of similar places to people that I coach. I mean, I had a long career and, you know, I was lucky enough at a, at a point in my career, I was actually kind of advanced by the time that I, I learned this lesson, but I had a coach that he was, I mean, he was my boss, but he coached and mentored me. And he was really the first person that started pulling back the curtains on what was really going on in the corporate world. Like mm-hmm. I was really naive, honestly, you know, I, I'd, I'd see like two executives and they wouldn't seem to be sort of cooperating. And I was like, what, why are they not working together for the good of the company? <laughs> and he'd say, because they're both, commu- you know, they're both competing for the job above them. They don't want to try to help each other. And so yeah. that really sort of peeled back, back the blinders for me. And it, it made me start looking more deeply mm-hmm. and thinking more broadly about what people's possible motivators could be. And (laughs) something that you said um, before, while you started diving or like thinking about um, being a coach is um, there was reorganizing at your Mm -hmm. job. And so it's funny because the first time I ever got laid off, there was obviously a reorg happening, but I was, floored like it Mm -hmm. wasn't one of those layoffs where it was like oh raise your hand we're gonna give out packages Mm -hmm. kind of thing so I was floored and I remember vividly this woman said to me and this was not her fault but in the moment I despised her um when she said Dina if you haven't been laid off yet you're doing something wrong and I was like what I thought that was that was a very Mm -hmm. dumb thing to say. But Mm -hmm. what I think she could have said was, God, you never get that time again. If you're lucky enough to be able to get laid off and potentially um, have time Mm -hmm. 
to mm-hmm. think, to, yeah. to, to, like you said, recharge and think about like, what is it that mm-hmm. I want to do? Like, what am I doing? Um, I will say that is one um, positive to these, something that happens in corporate America a lot, which is, you know, sometimes mass layoffs because of reorgs. Mm-hmm. If you have yep. the, if you have the um, ability to take that time to yourself um, it is something that you'll never have again. It's actually something that my husband and I talk about a lot with the pandemic. Cause I was last laid off in March because of the pandemic. And it's been almost a year not being able to find a job. And it's like, I mean, we're lucky we have a house, like a roof over our heads and food on the table, like take mm-hmm. this time to do something. Yeah. Um, and so if there's anybody out there listening and you're going through this like rough time and you can't even believe it and you're so negative, I'm with you. But sometimes it's, you know, look on the bright side. You got time to do things that you never thought you could do before and really try and hold on to that. Um, and, yeah. and so a question that I have for you is that. Do you hear from I don't know, like what levels you work with um, in terms of career coaching, but do you hear from a lot of people that, yes, they're feeling unhappy or not 100% in their professional space, but they don't want to make the change for like, they're fearful of risk or change? Like, is that something that you're hearing a lot? I hear it all the time, all the time. I mean, even, even when people want to make a change, a lot of times they are, or most of the time, they're, they're scared about making the change, right? Because, um, you know, you don't get that direct deposit in your, in your bank account every two weeks. And sometimes I think people have that, you know, the devil, you know, kind of attitude towards like, well, you know, I I know I don't love this job, and it could be better. But, you know, at least it's, you know, it's steady. And I Mm -hmm. know everybody and I don't have to like, figure out a new commute and, you know, like stuff like that. but, you know, what do they say? Like, good is the enemy of the great. You know, I, I think that if you have, uh, you know, a desire in your heart to do something and, you know, you could just be rationalizing staying at a job. And, you know, one of the things that I I talk to people a lot about is, you know, sometimes when they'll come to me, they'll say, I'm not, I feel, I feel stuck and I, I feel kind of unhappy. And I'll say, well, what is it that you would really like to have? Like, if you could just you know, wave a magic wand and have mm-hmm. something. Um, sometimes they'll say, I don't know, mm-hmm. which I think everybody actually does know deep down inside. But I think that there's like sort of an internal defense mechanism that keeps us from seeing that because it does feel risky. Um, or if they tell me what they want, they will immediately tell me why they can't have it. You mm. know, like, oh, I really would like to stop doing this and move over to this other industry. But you know, I don't have any experience in that. And, you know, my kids are in college, and, you know, a whole long list of reasons why they can't do it. And I tell people, let's separate these two things, right? Like, if you have something that in your heart, you really want to do, let it live, don't smother it (laughs) with all these excuses, right? Let it live. And then separately, start plotting how you can get closer to doing that. Like you, yeah, it's very true. You might not be able to like quit your job tomorrow and like walk out the door and find that job and, you know, rise to the level that you picture yourself in. But if you get, you know, yes, 
I'm clear on this, and I'm going to start exploring how I can have that or get closer to it. I have been quite amazed at how quickly and how almost miraculously I've seen clients that I've worked with make that happen. Hmm. Because, you know, when when they're sitting there saying, well, you know, I've, I've like sent out a lot of, you know, I've applied to a lot of jobs on LinkedIn and I've applied to a hundred jobs on LinkedIn and I haven't gotten anything. I'm like, well, that's not the way to do it. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. don't, don't think that applying to lots of jobs on LinkedIn is going to get you anything. But if you start looking around yourself and saying, who do I know that works in that industry? Or who do I know that knows somebody that does that? You know, can I just start talking to people and having open-ended conversations about, you know, hey, what you're doing looks interesting. I'd like to hear more about it. And then, you know, tell them what your background is and say, have you ever seen anybody with my background have success in that? So I want to play devil's advocate for a second, even though I'm exactly on your, um, like, I'm in line with exactly what you're saying. But I also wonder if there's a lot of, if the broad group that says that they're unhappy, but they want to do X, which is completely the antithesis of what they're doing now. Mm Mm-hmm. I wonder if the broad group is maybe not um, go-getter-y enough or ambitious enough to take that leap because I – so, you know, I'm doing a lot of exploring now and like, okay, like writing down – what are the things that I really, really love? I love interior Mm -hmm. design. I love Mm -hmm. cooking. Mm -hmm. I love – X, Y, and Z. And mm-hmm. so one of the things that I was I was like, oh, I think I would be really good at project management at like big construction sites, like mm-hmm. build, like big sure. buildings. Yeah. And so the first thing I did was start looking at those job descriptions. And like mm-hmm. one of them was like, you have to have experience with these machines or something. Mm-hmm. And so me being like the Dina personality that I am, I was like, screw you. I don't need to just show me how mm-hmm. to use those machines. And then I will. And so then right after that, I was like, I don't want to look for these jobs anymore because I'll never be able mm-hmm. to, mm-hmm. I don't have that experience. So I'll never get those jobs. Mm-hmm. And so I didn't take that next step, which was what you just recommended, which is like having conversations with people, Mm -hmm. blah, 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 blah. But then when I turned, you know, a right and was like, oh, I also really like interior design. Mm -hmm. So and then I it seemed like I potentially leaned toward that a little bit more. So then I started Mm -hmm. finding interior design firms and like cold emailing them and telling them mm-hmm. like, I want to start from the bottom. I'll be an intern. I'll do, you know, and mm-hmm. it's like, there's a lot, there are a lot of, you can't just work, be doing something for 10 years and then say that you want to like be a professional painter. And then like, you're going to be a professional painter. Like there are steps that you have to take. And I think that part of it is what scares people. It's like, yeah. It's what scares people more is like, wait, but I have to do like all of this other work to do this like less, like to start at the bottom. Yeah. Um, It's, 
you got to walk every step of your journey. There's not, nobody's going to come and pick you up in a helicopter and drop you at the place that you want to go. I mean, right. and uh, I, I see it sometimes in, in coaching where somebody will hire me and, you know, I'm a coach. I help people get clear on where they want to go and I help them map out the journey of how to get there and look at like, what are the things that you might need to do? But I can't go on that journey for them. They have to do it. You know, I can sort of in a way be along on the ride with them and, mm-hmm. and point things out and ask questions and say, are you sure you want to go this way or should we go this way? Um, but it's not it's not like I can just snap my fingers and put put them there. Right. Mm-hmm. It, they're going to have to face fears. They're going to have to take risks. They're going to have to take steps outside their comfort zone. Now, one of the things I mean, I've, I've worked with a lot of people to help them do that. Um, and there are a lot of fears that people have, you know, even about those, those exploratory conversations that I talked about. Um, You know, a lot of times people feel really awkward about that. But one of the things that I've recognized, both when I was in the corporate world, and people would call me for informational interviews, but also just seeing a lot of my clients doing it, it's really in how you approach the person. And for example, if somebody introduces you that you know, and it's a warm referral, that that really helps a lot, right? Because that person feels like, oh, I'm going to do my other friend a favor and talk to this person. But, you know, when you're having those conversations, you can't expect that, uh, you know, sometimes people have told me like, well, I, I called them and I said, hey, do you guys have any jobs? <laughs> nobody, nobody wants to talk to some, they're going to be like, no, I'm not hiring any. And I don't know if we're hiring in another department. But if somebody called and said, I think your company looks really interesting and I'd like to nor- learn more about it. What do you like about working there? Um, you know, I'm interested in this. Do you guys have those kind of jobs there? Um, you know, what are, what are those jobs like? This is what my background is. Have you seen anybody that has my background be successful doing mm-hmm. that? And, you know, I think it's, it's just a matter of like showing up and, being a curious, grateful person, like grateful for their time and curious about them personally and what their perspective is. Yeah. You know, I think that when people go hard and they're like, hey, do you guys have any jobs? Are you hiring? Like that just shuts people down, right? That's that, just like so direct. It's like really aggressive. <laughs> yeah, it's really aggressive. And they're like, I don't even know you. Right. Like, how do I, you know, I'm not going to put my reputation on the line to give your resume to somebody when I don't even know you. But if, you know, you spent 20 or 30 minutes being interested in them, like wanting to understand their opinion their point of view on the company, like what the challenges are at the company, that kind of thing. And listening to say, does that sound like something that I would like to do? You know, because a lot of times we look at jobs and we're like, oh, that looks, that looks fun. Like, I'll give you an example is, um, you know, I worked in marketing for my whole career. And for many years of my career, I had event planning teams reporting to me. And we did tons of events. And I cannot, I probably had a dozen people, at least, uh, send people to me for informational interviews on, mm-hmm. on it was usually young women getting out of college. Mm-hmm. I want to do event planning. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I, I like event planning. I mean, I've done it. I, I like it. But 
it is not what people think it is. It is not like no. glamorous. Yes, no. you're jetting to Miami or Palm Springs or wherever. And then you're going to go in a taxi or an Uber to the hotel, to a window, windowless ballroom. Uh-huh. You're going to be working till one o'clock in the morning. You're going to uh-huh. be getting up at 5 a.m. and working your tail off. And maybe you'll get to see a little bit like on the airport back to or in the in the car back to the airport. <laughs> Uh-huh. Or maybe if you're lucky, you get to stay an extra night and you get to go out to dinner or something like that. But it's not, it's not party time. It's working no. your butt off. Yeah. And, and you're potentially um, steaming tablecloths and making sure that the corners are correct. Yeah. Like it is not like, it's not, I mean, even I assume plan, I planned a wedding, but being a wedding planner, like it's not. Glamorous. It's a business. It, yeah, it's, it's business. Work. And there's a reason why you're doing it. I mean, uh, I I was always a little bit frustrated because even I worked in a, a big bank and, you know, even the people within the bank, sometimes they they would think that an event was successful if it happened and it was fun. And I was like, that's not why we're investing that in that. We're investing that because we expect to get business out of it, yeah. you know, or we're going to get leads out of it. Um, and that's what we need to be measuring. Not that you thought the band was good and you liked the wine that we picked. Oh my God. <laughs> that's or- just not... <laughs> Or the keynote speaker. Yeah. Um, Something that I think is really interesting that you said, which I think that people should really think about is having exploratory conversations when you think that the role or the job sounds like what you want to do. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I actually had an exploratory conversation with somebody, I guess it was in the summertime for a company that I adore. And this is my fear often is that you go work at that company and you hate it. It's just like, mm-hmm. I love to cook, but if I was a professional chef, I would hate it. And yeah. so I'll, I will never do it. And I had a conversation with this person and they made this company sound horrible. And so I didn't interview there. I didn't apply for a job there, but having that conversation, I mean, also it helps gives you, it helps to give you the skills to have like relationship building. Like it's just a good yeah skill to kind of hone. Um, So something I was thinking about that I thought might be really interesting to hear from you is like, I do wonder, this is going to be a little bit controversial, I know, Mm -hmm. but like, it's twofold, the question. One is like, when did this work-life balance become such an issue? Mm -hmm. And I do wonder, um, and I know that I brought this up, um, through one of our emails, you know, when women started to start dominating this like business world and they started working and they weren't just Mm -hmm. staying home. Mm -hmm. um, I wonder if that's when this work-life balance issue became such an issue or so important to families because, you know, somebody was home and there was the ability to like have this dinner. Now, if you're having two working parents and you have to, somebody has to pick up the kids and somebody has to come home mm-hmm. and then you, then it's seven o'clock and you got to cook and you, yeah. and it's like, wait, what are, what are we doing? What's, what's the most important is this, is, do you think that's when this kind of divide started happening? Well, I mean, if I look back over my life, I mean, my mom stayed home with us mm-hmm. until I was about 11 or 12 years old. And then she got a job and, uh, you know, I, I didn't, 
I personally think it really picked up after uh, Blackberries, <laughs> after oh, you know smartphones. You were never just. No, I, I think it started probably with email, but you know, back when email first came out, a lot of people didn't have internet at their homes, you know, and and you know, I had like a, a desktop computer, so it wasn't like I could take my laptop home and plug in and look at emails at home. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I I. Um, I think I might have had like a work cell phone so somebody could call you like in the mm-hmm. 90s and very early 2000s somebody could call Ew, you if they had call to your phone but you know <laughs> in the I think 2005 I got a BlackBerry and that I think is when it was like you you could be reached at any time and and people really started getting into the habit of checking their emails over the weekend and, you know, bosses sending emails and then expecting somebody to email them back. And I, I think that's really when the boundaries between home and work started falling down, you know, because it used to be before that, like when you left work, you left work. Yeah. I mean, you couldn't be in touch with work, you know? Yeah. Um, I, so I remember actually, cause for m- most of my jobs I was taking um for some portion of the time I was taking mass transit and mm-hmm. I remember like one day I was feeling so stressed like I just didn't get a break like I just was working all night I felt like I was always checking to me did they respond to my email yet did I get yeah. a new email did I yeah. not respond yeah and I was sitting on the train and I saw the person who they like opened the door to the train they make sure the people are in. They close the door. I am like simplifying that a lot. I'm sure there's a lot more and there's like switching and then whatever. But I And then the person, because I was on like an empty train going in a direction that many mm-hmm. people didn't, then the person would sit down and like read a book. Mm-hmm. And I was like, does that person leave work at night and think about work? Because I was like dying for that. And I think mm-hmm. about that a lot. And want to make that situation my situation. Yeah. Um, and it's really hard to do. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, yeah, it's funny. I, I actually was pretty good about not checking my Blackberry a lot when I, when I, I mean, for years, actually, I, I did like when I was at work and I would go to meetings or I would, I would look at it on the train on the way in uh, to work in the morning and on the way home. Mm-hmm. but. I usually would just leave it in my purse when I got home. I really wouldn't check it much. And I knew a lot of people that kept it with them all the time and checked it all the time. And I just didn't, I, I, maybe because I'd worked for a long time before that era came in, I was Mm -hmm. like, I'm not used to doing that. And I'm not going to do that. And in fact, (laughs) sometimes I would forget to charge it over the weekend and like Monday would roll around. I'd be like, oh, my phone is dead. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so I couldn't even look at it on the train. Um, but that always like left you with a little bit of a like, you know, panic attack that like, what am I going to be like, what, what buzzsaw am I going to be running into when I get into the office this morning, if I haven't right. checked the emails before I got in. Um, but I will tell you, since I've gotten an iPhone, I mean, and this has been years now, of course, yeah. um, I you can do so much more with it. Right. So I'm like sort of addicted to it, both from a work standpoint and a personal standpoint. Yeah. Um, it's, I think it's a blessing and a bane, uh, you know, a blessing and a curse. A hundred percent. It is. Um, so another thing that I wanted to touch on with you is 
the idea of success. And like we were talking about before, probably the number one thing that people fear when they're upset or sitting in this discomfort is I do wonder if people just aren't honest and it's like they're getting this stable paycheck. Like that's really just, you need money to live. Right. And so you're comfortable. Yeah. You're comfortable with this thing and, and whatever. But have you found that I just wonder if this light bulb goes off for people where they then realize that success from a monetary perspective doesn't necessarily equal satisfaction. It doesn't um, like money doesn't mean success really. Um, And and Mm -hmm. have you, have you seen that in your clients where they're like a light bulb goes off for them? Yeah. I mean, I've seen it in myself and I've seen it in my clients because, you know, for me, I I wanted to make it to the level of chief marketing officer Mm. and I got to the head of, you know, head of marketing for a business within a much larger business. I was reporting to the CMO, but um, I didn't get to that level. And, you know, I, I think for a lot of us, we're ambitious, we want to make more money, you know, we want to have like all the trappings of success. But I, for me, I feel like I thought I'd be satisfied when I got to that level. And honestly, the closer that I got to it, and the more that I saw what was really involved, the less appealing it was to me, because it wasn't what I thought it was going to be like, number one. Um, But for I I see it very often, actually, with people that will come to me and they're they're disillusioned with their jobs. um, And a lot of times people will get on a certain path that they think is going to be the fastest path to, you know, six figures, you know, mm-hmm. and, um, and then they get to that point and they, you know, they're smart and they keep moving up, but maybe they don't really like what they do. Mm-hmm. And they're like, I'm good at something that I don't like. That's mm. a crappy place to be. I can mm-hmm. tell you because if you get to a point where you make too much money, doing something that you don't enjoy, it mm-hmm. is a trap. It's a trap. Mm. Um, so it's like a, yeah. I was going to say, it's like a vicious cycle. Yeah, it really is. It really is. And although what I will say is that if you admit that you don't enjoy it and you start looking at yourself and saying like, what might be better for me? you might be able to still, you know, maybe do the same thing that you do, but for a different company, or you Mm -hmm. may be able to pivot. And, you know, say if you're, you know, you work in marketing in one industry, and you don't really love it. And then you get a job doing marketing in a different industry that you're passionate about, Mm. that might change your whole outlook on what you're doing. Um, I had a I had a client who went to school and he didn't know what to major and his dad was like, well, you know, accounting's a good, you know, accounting is a good major, you know, people get good jobs doing accounting. So he didn't have a passion for accounting, but he became an accountant. And he got a job with one of the big four accounting firms, and he was successful, he was moving up with it. But when he came to me, he was really like, kind of stuck and feeling burnout, he didn't really enjoy it at all. And he was married and had a child and, um, just didn't feel like it provided enough creativity for him. And Hmm. also one of the things about those big accounting firms is that you don't get to pick what kind of accounting you do. When you go to work there, if they've got a lot of 
some type of accounting, that's probably what's going to end up being your specialty because mm-hmm. that's the work they have. They're going to put all their young associates on that. And then once you get skilled in that, they're going to keep assigning you to those kind of um, that type of project. And um, so anyway, with him, he had been applying for jobs at like startups and stuff like that, which of course they need account <laughs> accountants, but he wasn't making any traction, which I wasn't surprised because it's a pretty giant leap to go from, you know, a company that has hundreds of thousands of employees to like maybe three guys in a garage. Right. 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 And um, I said, I gave him the same advice that I just talked about here. I said, start, let's start having conversations, start mm-hmm. talking to people about, you know, what opportunities they see out there, what they think somebody with your background could do. And he ended up having coffee with somebody that his father-in-law introduced him to, who was a a partner in a regional accounting firm. It was just coffee. It was not a job interview at all. But in the course of uh, having coffee, the the, uh, partner recognized that this guy fit like a vacuum that they had in this firm. Um, they had a lot of like 50 something year old partners in the, in the firm. And they had like a lot of 22 and 23 year old associates in the accounting firm. And this guy was in his early thirties. And he also had, you know, the specialty that he had from the big four accounting firm. While it wasn't something that he loved, he was good at it. He knew how to mm-hmm. do it. This regional firm did not have that specialty. And so he actually offered him a job and he said, here's what we can do for you. You can come in. We're going to give you the opportunity to start up this specialty within the firm. We don't really have a lot of time. The older guys don't have a lot of time to mentor the associates. So that'll be part of your job. And we'll, we'll start letting you go out on um, business development calls. So all of a sudden, like his like narrow little accounting um, career that was in a box, you know, in this giant firm, all of a sudden he got to go to this regional firm for the same money, a 10 minute commute from his house and, you know, come in and be on a partner track and, um, you know, be able to sort of do some creative things that appealed to him. But that this is one of the ones that like happened so quickly. I mean, I was just like, go out and explore. <laughs> and then he's calling me like, I got a job offer. <laughs> Yeah, I was going to, I wanted to, I want, I wanted to, I don't want to throw, I think the thing is throw away the baby, throw the baby baby with the bath bath water, because I want people to make sure that they're picking up your book. But I feel like the, like the number one piece of advice is to have conversations. I think there's a big culture right now too, where we're in a pandemic, so it's, different times, but like have the coffee, yeah. have the conversation. Like there's a lot of, a lot of us are just like, Oh, then, the, then it's the day of the coffee or the drink. And you're like, I don't want to talk to this person. And you kind of just have to turn that off because you never know where a conversation is going to go. You never know where it's going to go. Uh, I had, I had another client and his, his, um, his background was really, really interesting. He actually had been a minister for like 15 years in his career. He, you know, got like a master's in seminary, maybe even like a doctorate. You know, he'd spent all this time and 
he got kind of burnt out on the profession. I mean, it is does have kind of a high burnout rate. And he had he had like built websites and stuff. And so he ended up getting a job with a, an advertising agency that did a lot of digital stuff. Um, but he really wanted to do something different. And part of the problem was that he, you know, even though he was in his late 30s, he only had three years of experience doing marketing and, and mm-hmm. doing websites. And he he didn't really like the place where he worked, but he was just afraid that if he just applied for normal jobs like online, he wouldn't get a look. And he really wouldn't because they'd be like, okay, this is just a weird background for coming into marketing. But he's an excellent person, like did great work and all of this. And I, I said, look around yourself. Like who knows you? Like who knows you and appreciates what you do? And he was like, oh, I do a lot of work at the agency for this financial services company. I was like, why don't you have a conversation with him? Just talk to him and say, you know, I'm starting to think about the next chapter of my career. And, you know, I respect you a lot, like working with you. And I'm just wondering, you know, do you have any ideas? And they said, as a matter of fact, we're going to be hiring. <laughs> they, I, it was like two weeks later, he like left and went to work for that firm because they wow. already knew him. They already knew him. He had done right. work for them through the agency. But so often, like we have stuff that's like right under our nose. Mm-hmm. And we're thinking like, oh, I'm never going to be able to get a job because I only have like three official years of doing marketing. And then I've got 15 years of ministry. And what good is that? But th- the reality is that um, I think that all of that time that he spent as a minister made him such a great account executive, right? Like mm. you're spending a lot of time totally. asking them, like, what, what are your issues? I really want to understand this. You know, he was a really, you know, um, I think obviously earnest and, you know, hardworking guy. And I think that they really respected that. They knew he had a good character. Um, yeah, but it's so just an unusual background for marketing. <laughs> I was going to say, so like ministers and rabbis, now, you know, you could, yeah, very easily right. transition. Your you can pivot. Well, and the other thing I think is really interesting about that is that usually they've got a big network, right? They know a lot of people. That and is people- really true. Mm-hmm. I think also the hardest thing for people to remember is like, nobody's going to advocate for you more than you. And the worst thing that can happen is A, you hear the word no, B, mm-hmm. no, you don't get a response. And like, mm-hmm. oh, well, oh, well. You tried. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, a lot of times whenever I encourage people to go out and network, they'll come back and be like, well, I talked to this person and it was just like pulling teeth. And I'm like, okay, not everybody knows how to network very well. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you're going to have a dud conversation and sometimes the person is just not going to talk, you know, it's going to be like pulling teeth, but other times you're going to meet with people that are just really, you know, generous and may like keep in touch, may come back to you when they see jobs or, um, you know, I, I've gotten jobs in the past where, you know, a recruiter called somebody and they were like, well, I, I'm not interested, but I know somebody that I think would be good for that. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. and they sent the recruiter my way and I'm, yeah. I actually, I got a job that way. It was great. <laughs> yeah. So Terry, I think that I want to just say one thing, which I think would be a totally different, I don't even know if it's a totally different type of career coaching or different 
um, job. But something that I touched on is in the past is like the person on the other end. So like the interviewer or the conversation, I don't even know what the right word is, but the person that you're having the conversation with, sometimes that person also needs to like take a step back and look at themselves and like give some empathy and compassion for people who are like looking to transition their job, looking for advice, like just look inside yourself and like see if put yourself in their shoes. Yeah. That type of coaching is like, in my opinion, so needed um, in this world because I think a lot of people lack it. Well, here's, here's the way I look at it is there, but for the grace of God, go I. I see P I do outplacement coaching too. So mm. a lot of times I talk to people within a couple days of when they've gotten blindsided by, you know, they come in in the morning and they've gotten an invitation from HR to come to a meeting, them and their boss. Right. And mm-hmm. they, yeah. And they walk in and they, you know, they have like a, a file folder that they push across the <laughs> so big. Yes. <laughs> you know, and they're like, okay, well, you know, we're here to let you know, unfortunately, you know, that uh, your job no longer exists. And, yeah. you know, great people, very talented people lose their jobs n- through no fault of their own because mm-hmm. the business isn't doing well and they need to cut expenses. Yep. And um, I think that if you have, if you've been kind, you know, like karma is a real thing, <laughs> you know, right. like if you, you got to realize that you're not building the network for something that's going to happen immediately. It might happen 10 years down the road. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and people that you, you know, met decades ago might send you business or might call you and say, Hey, I was thinking of you and don't you do this. I heard of somebody that's looking for this. I, I think that it's one of the big mistakes that people make is not building the network before they need it. Hmm. You should be building your network all the time. I mean, I I tell people get LinkedIn with people that are sitting to the right and left of you at work. Every person that you meet at a conference, get LinkedIn with them. Every vendor that you work with, get LinkedIn with them. Um, I couldn't agree more. And it's so funny because somebody said to me one time, they were like, wait, why is that person even in your, do you even know who they are? And I'm like, I don't remember who they are, but I don't care because if I saw something where they're connected, I would still reach out to them because obviously there was a moment in time when we both thought that we should be connected and like, who cares? Right. And I mean, I, I will look sometimes and say like, how am I connected with that person? And then I'll look back and I'll be like, oh, because you know, 10 years ago, we both worked at the same place, but we mm-hmm. both moved on and gone to different places since then. But I have been amazed at how I mean, I've really gotten to be a pretty big networker. <laughs> when you have your own business, you do a lot of networking. Yeah. Um, and I'm I am not shy about it. I used to be I mean, I used to be nervous about it. And I used to think of uh, it's funny whenever you're like 22 or 30, 23 and people are saying network network i always envision it's like walking into a giant ballroom where you knew no one and mm-hmm. going and getting like you know some hors d'oeuvres and some wine and trying to juggle that with giving people your business card and shaking hands it just like super awkward right but mm-hmm. linkedin's made it so much easier um mm-hmm. because you don't 
you don't necessarily have to meet the people in person. And Mm -hmm. you were saying earlier about like, you know, having the drink or having the coffee. I mean, I used to do that. But and even before the pandemic, a lot of times I'd be going down into Chicago. And it's about, um, you know, about 50 minute train ride from where I live into the city. And, you know, just go to, to go down and have a drink or lunch or coffee with somebody. It's just half a day. Mm-hmm. I did it, you know, but I think that one of the things that's going to change a lot post pandemic is that I think that it's going to be a lot more acceptable to just do a Zoom call because it's so much easier. Like, I, you know, you can and, plop and down and you don't have there. to travel. Yeah. And you could be wearing sweatpants on the bottom and nobody yeah. will know. I yeah. am not wearing sweatpants. Just so that you know. <laughs> Um, but yeah, or even I think it will be more acceptable to have a non zoom, just regular phone call. Like if you're not comfortable face to face, there is a way to get around your, um, discomfort in whatever communication or interaction. Um, okay. So Terry, I mean, I don't, this has been great for me, but I don't want to take too much more of your time. Um, thank you so, 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 so much for chatting with me. I want to make sure that I'm plugging everything that I can for you. So aside from everybody picking up your book, which is winning the game of work, career, happiness, and success on your own terms. Um, are there other speaking engagements or master classes or anything that people should be looking out for you? Well, I I have a website if if anybody is interested in talking to me about one-on-one coaching or group coaching like in a mm-hmm. corporate environment, they can reach out to me on my website at terrybmcdougal.com. I keep thinking that I should do some, you know, kind of passive classes that people can just, you know, go on and watch the videos. I haven't mm-hmm. done that yet. <laughs> um and then I actually launched a podcast at the beginning of this year called Marketing Mambo. Mm-hmm. So I'm a marketing nerd. I know lots of marketing nerds and I love to talk about marketing. Mm-hmm. So um, Marketing Mambo is where I cha-cha-chat with marketing movers and shakers from around the globe. And um, it's you can check it out. It's actually on any of the all of the major podcast directories. And it has its own website, which is marketingmambo.net. Awesome. And I will make sure to put all of that in this episode and on my Instagram. Um, Thank you so, so much. I hope I will bring you on again so we can chat more because to me, this type of conversation is never too much. Yeah. I mean, I I feel like we could talk for a long time about this stuff and I I love talking about it. You know, it, it just, if I can help people be more comfortable and pursue a career that makes them happy, I feel like I'm living my purpose. Awesome. And I think that makes you sort of like (laughs) indispensable. So thank you again. And I hope that we can chat again soon. Thanks a lot, Dina. Honestly, I could have talked to Terry all day. And I I did tell her that we have to do a follow-up because there's just so much that goes into your career and even even like the good of it. Um, I think there's something really interesting that Terry said about being unhappy at the place, but potentially the role that you're in, you could really love it somewhere else. Um, just for instance, let's take marketing because that's my experience. You could be doing marketing for, you know, dish soap and you despise it, but you end up 
doing marketing at a law firm and you love it. And so there's just so much to get into, which is why I really, really encourage you guys to pick up her book, Winning the Game of Work, Career, Happiness, and Success on Your Own Terms. Um, Follow Terry on LinkedIn. Social media is really funny. So obviously I can't put all of her links on my Instagram, but I have them all in the episode's description for you to like find her website, be able to pick up her book easily, follow her on LinkedIn, follow her on Facebook, um, be able to find um, her podcast episode. So I encourage you guys to do all of that. I want to hear from you. Did Is this careers thing something you want to hear more about? Are there other false expectations that you want me to dive into? Do you want to come on and talk to me about your false expectations? Um, send it my way. Uh, we, I just am very appreciative of you guys continuing to listen to the podcast. So keep on listening and downloading. Take the time, if you have a second, to review and rate the podcast. Again, that just like elevates the podcast to um, people who haven't heard about it before and who don't follow me on Instagram. But follow the podcast on Instagram if you don't already, False Expectations Pod. And, you know, enjoy the Super Bowl. Enjoy the weekend's performance. And I will talk to you guys next week. Later.